This is Encounter with God here on Faith FM. We are about to have another clue for our quiz as we get back into our Bible study for the day. What have you got there for us, All right, here we go. You ready? This is my quiz. Ready and waiting. We know this guy is the son of Alpheus, okay? We know that he was one of the 12 disciples. We already knew that from the first clue. Okay. Jesus had dinner at my house with many tax collectors and sinners. Mm. Ooh, who is that? Wait. No. No, you're incorrect. I can't believe you I didn't, didn't, you didn't get that one. Okay, 1-800-324-843. Double prizes are still up for grabs. Yeah. Because Lyle is just failing in every way. Like, uh, as soon as I say the next clue, you're just going to be like, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> say the next clue then, Lawson. Say the next clue. No, no, we're going to wait. We're going to wait. <laughs> Good fun this morning. Okay. All right. So, if you know the answer, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, or text us on 0491-064-669. See if you can embarrass Lyle this morning. Get the clue for the quiz before he does. A little bit of simple research should be able to get those answers for you. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I'm not allowed to research. Uh, But I was right on my first one. You still weren't correct. But this person obviously has a brother that... um, their name is just not coming to mind right now. Apparently. All right. What are we studying today? Oh, uh, Revelation, of course. Yes. Chapter 11. We just uh-huh. finished an amazing prophecy mm-hmm. uh, that we were digging into yesterday uh, that dealt with the two witnesses, one witness from the Old Testament, one witness from the New Testament, all witnessing about Jesus Christ. And we looked at a prophecy about how they would be destroyed and how that, yeah, lots of lots of fascinating stuff. Anyway, we now get back to the seventh trumpet. So mm. what, you, what you have is a very similar format to uh, the prophecy of the seven seals. And the prophecy of the seven seals, you remember that within the middle of the prophecy, you had a, a chunk that was in parentheses where the Bible backtracks to talk about information that is relevant to this particular time period, but is kind of a little bit sort of off topic. Mm. And at the end of the sixth seal, that's what happens. You have the the prophecy of the angel with a little book, followed by the prophecy of the two witnesses. And these are kind of off topic, but they relate to that those time period or that time period around the time of the sixth seal or in between the sixth and the seventh seal. Mm-hmm. And thus we come to uh, the end of this particular um, prophecy here in uh, chapter 11 about the two witnesses and we move on to verse 14 where we now come back to the seventh trumpet so just as we did in revelation chapter 8 and verse 1 we came back to the seventh seal now we come back to the seventh trumpet let's find out what happens under this trumpet okay revelation chapter 11 and verse 15 14 14 the second terror is passed but look the third terror is coming Okay, let me just read to you what it says in my translation, which is a little bit more translational and a little bit less uh, interpretive than yours. Mm -hmm. It says, The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe comes quickly. Mm -hmm. I want you to notice the contrast between that, which is your introduction to your seventh trumpet, and the introduction that you have to the sixth trumpet. The introduction to the sixth trumpet is in chapter 9 and verse 12, where it says, One woe is past, and behold, there come two more woes hereafter. 
All right, so what's the difference between these two introductions? There is a key difference. And Okay, so where are we up to? Uh, verse 12. One, one woe is past. Behold, two more come hereafter. Mm-hmm. Uh, chapter 11 now and verse 14 the second woe is past and behold the third woe mm-hmm. comes quickly yes difference between the two yes of course there is mm-hmm. because the the first you know thing that you talked about it comes after the first woe mm-hmm. so it's like now the second two are coming whereas mm-hmm. this one is saying that it comes quickly mm-hmm. is that the difference that's the difference yes okay okay uh, but I'm not sure that I'm not sure that our listener this morning is picking up anything that you just said. <laughs> They're like, yes, Lawson was Lawson was making words. I'm not sure what he meant. <laughs> Man, uh, yeah. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> All right. The difference comes in between two words, the word hereafter mm-hmm. and the word quickly. Yes. So, your sixth trumpet uh-huh. comes hereafter. Your seventh trumpet comes quickly. Yes. Hereafter means from this point forward. Mm-hmm. Quickly means soon. Mm-hmm. There's a contrast between those two. So basically what you've got, when your fifth trumpet ends, the ending of the fifth trumpet is the beginning of the sixth trumpet. The Mm -hmm. two are linked together and when one ends, the other begins. Mm -hmm. Okay? When you come to the seventh trumpet, there is a gap. Yes. It's coming soon. It's coming Uh quickly. It is not here now. Now, going back to the sixth trumpet, we know that the sixth trumpet ended on the 11th of August, 1840. Yes. So now let's go to um, look at our identifying characteristics. What is it that is taking place under the seventh trumpet? Lawson, can you read for us? Verse 15. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Just, just, just finish it. Just read the trumpet. Okay, okay, here we go. It all sort of goes together. Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15, the Bible says, Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there was a loud voice shouting in heaven, The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Oh, man, this is from Handel's Messiah, the, the Hallelujah Chorus. Anyways, Indeed. the... Verse 16, now the 24 elders sitting on their thrones before God fell with their faces to the ground and worshipped him. And they said, we give thanks to you, Lord God, the Almighty, the one who is and who always was. And for now, you have assumed your great power and have become, sorry, have begun to reign. The nations were filled with wrath, but now the time of your wrath has come. It is time to judge the dead and reward your servants, the prophets, as well as your holy people and all who fear your name from the least to the greatest. It is time to destroy all who have caused destruction on the earth. Then in heaven, the temple of God was opened and the ark of his covenant could be seen inside of the temple. Lightning flashed, thunders crashed and roared, and there was a great earthquake and terrible hailstorm. Okay, so you got some pretty dramatic language yeah, right yeah, here, Lawson. Crazy so just, stuff. Uh, it, it is. It is. <laughs> and there's a whole bunch of things that are pulled in together. First of all, let's notice that the sanctuary uh, terminology changes the sanctuary. Uh, yeah, what, what changes about the sanctuary? They go into the most holy place. Okay, so under the sixth trumpet, the context is holy place. Yes. But under the seventh trumpet, now the context is most holy place. What mm-hmm. does that indicate? 
Judgment. Judgment, absolutely. Yeah. Judgment, the most holy place is where judgment takes place. Yeah, fully. And so there's been a transfer, there's been a movement of context from mm. one apartment to the next. We see that corroborated in, in verse 18 where as well, where it's like, it is time to judge the dead. Okay, so the Bible specifically says it. The time of the judgment has begun. Yeah. Okay, so then we simply ask ourselves the question, when did the sanctuary context change from holy place to most holy place? When did Jesus move from the first part of the sanctuary to the second part of the sanctuary mm. in heaven when did his work change from being one of intercession to being one of judgment and intercession combined and we find the answer to that was that it took place in 1844 if you've mm-hmm. got questions about that then give us a call and we can provide you some information on when that actually took place mm. okay so what we've got here is one finishes on 1840 and very very soon after the other begins in 1844 <laughs> You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And so just as the Bible said that it comes quickly, it is indeed mm. coming quickly right here. Um, and uh, just a few years later, the seventh trumpet begins to sound, the judgment begins to take place. Now, there's a couple of things that we need to observe. First of all, why is it, do you think that the Bible is focusing in on the Ark of the Covenant here other than the fact that uh, the sanctuary terminology has changed to indicate the judgment has begun. What, 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 does the, what does the Ark of the Covenant have to do with the judgment? With the judgment. Well, this is a Lyle Southfield quote. You ready for it? Okay. 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 I'm a bit worried right now. You can't have a judgment without a law. All right, that's a um, kind of obvious statement. It might be a Lyle Southwell quote, but it is a statement of the obvious, yeah, isn't that so? fully. I just heard you said it, so it's it's your quote. Okay, so it's impossible to have a judgment without a law. You've got to have a standard by which you judge people. Yes. And the only law that you find in the Bible, which is a standard by which you judge people, is the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. The Ark of the Covenant was created for its purpose for existence. The reason that it is there is that it contains the Ten Commandments, the Mm -hmm. law of God, the standard of the judgment. And this is why the sanctuary terminology now focuses on the Ark of the Covenant where the Ten Commandments are kept. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, you know, when you look at the Ten Commandments and, and, and where God positions them and when he gave them to Moses and when they were here on this earth, it tells us something about God's attitude towards his law. Yeah. Think about this for a moment. It's almost like God has drawn a bullseye on our world. Mm. Okay? Yeah. So let's say we look at the world and there's a bullseye on it. All right. And, and, and the bullseye has rings, right? Yeah. And they go in and in and in until you get the bullseye right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Okay. So your uh, your first, you, so we start with the world. Uh-huh. And in the world, you have a place called the Holy Land. Where's that? And it's like Israel. Israel, Palestine. Uh-huh. Yep. So yeah. Israel is the Holy Land. Uh-huh. Within the Holy Land, you have the Holy City. Jerusalem. Within the Holy City, you have the Holy Mountain. Uh, Mount. Uh, um, the the Mount of Olives, Zion. Zion. Oh Zion, man, yeah, I can't yeah. believe my, my uh, within within that. on the mountain on the holy mountain you have the holy temple. Temple, yeah. Now the holy temple then has a courtyard, mm-hmm. a holy place, and a most holy place. Yes. See how it's getting holier and holier and holier and holier the closer you come in, and it's drawing a bullseye, and that bullseye is now what is the centerpiece of the holy place? The Ark of the Covenant. 
And what is the centerpiece of the Ark of the Covenant? The Ten Commandments. And what is the center of the Ten Commandments? Love your neighbor and love your God. Okay, but if you actually read the Ten Commandments, what are you going to find right bank smack in the middle of them? Oh. It's the Sabbath. The Sabbath. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So God is drawing a bullseye on our world. And the important thing for this study is that it is illustrating that God's law is what he considers to be most holy, most important here on this world. Because mm-hmm. without that, there is no judgment. Without that, there is no crucifixion. Because without yeah. that, there is no sin. you got to think of as there's well. There's no gospel. There's no grace. Yeah. You take away the law of God, and you've taken away all of those things. Grace is irrelevant if there is no such thing as sin. Sin does not exist if there is no such thing as God's law. Mm. And, and it's so interesting that the, the ark that contains the law itself is called the Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, covenant's another word for for contract or agreement or or promise, and and what it what it's representing here is that at the center of, you know, essentially, after the fall, man and God had an agreement. God like rocks up and he you know to Abraham and he's like, through you, I'm going to save the world. But until we get to that point, I want to give you a standard to live by because you're all like desolate and you're all in sin and you're all struggling. And so I want to reinstate my law, which eventually is going to come in heaven. But here we go. Here's the law for, you know, like the Ten Commandments. And, and that's, you know, that's what that covenant is. That's what that promise is. It's like, hey, you know, this is this is my promise to you as humanity. I'm going to restore you, but I can sort of give you a piece of that restoration on earth right now with the Ten Commandments. It's like kind of a down payment in a way. I mean, maybe I'm just rambling, but no, no, still, it's good. I like at it. the same time. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it's just it's so interesting to me the the fact that people miss that point that the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Promise, like. What's contained in there? The law of God. Why? Because it's the promise that God makes. He's like, I want to restore you. What does he want to restore us to? The perfect keeping and fulfillment of the law, which is, what is that actually, like practically, what's the umbrella term for that? Well, it's called love. Mm-hmm. He wants to restore us back to love. And how do we get back to love? Well, we keep the Ten Commandments. So interesting. I just love it. Like you just ask people that question. You know, you can literally ask anyone in the world, should we te- keep the Ten Commandments? It's like, don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery, honor your parents. Like everyone's going to say yes, because that's the basis of like modern society. You know, the moral, the moral standard of law is like the Ten Commandments. Yeah, and the funny thing is wild. that the crazy thing is that you can go to... Um, so many Christians and talk about the law of God and as soon as you do they arc up they're like oh legalism you the law of legalism? God it's like, it's like oh okay, okay which one of these ten commandments is legalism please please explain <laughs> please explain which one me. do you not like it's like is it the one about killing I hope it's not, not the one about killing because if it is I am out of here it's gnarly. Let's look at some Bible verses. The Bible says in First John chapter 4 and verse 4, whoever commits sin transgresses or breaks the law for uh-huh. sin is the breaking of God's law uh-huh. end of story Mm-hmm. Black and white, plain and simple. Sin is breaking God's law. Yeah. And you can't get a more simple statement than that. And so, therefore, if there is no law, there is no sin. And it's, In fact, the Bible says that. The best way that Jesus' mission was was summarized in, in you know, by John the Baptist was, here comes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yeah. And so, it's like... Why do you need the sin taken away? The only reason you need the sin taken away is because sin exists, and it only exists because there is a law. There is a law. So, it's, it's just wild, like, when people are like, oh, the law of God, that's legalism. It's like... Breaking the law is sin, and that's what Jesus came to take away. 
like it's not a very hard, like difficult logical progression to make. Like it's no, it's a plus you b. You do away c. with the law. Here's what it says in Romans four verse fifteen: For where no law is, there is no sin. Mm-hmm. So let's say that you do away with the law of God. Okay, mm. now you don't need Jesus Christ. Why does why do you need Jesus Christ? There's no such thing as sin. Sin is gone. Mm. You don't need grace. Mm. Great grace is now gone because grace is there to cover your sins, and yeah. sin is the breaking of the law of God. You don't need the gospel because the gospel is the good news about the grace that covers your sins that comes through Jesus Christ yeah. uh, for breaking the law. Mm. So Jesus is gone. Grace is gone. The gospel is gone. Why are you and I sitting here in front of a microphone? Yeah. Why does Faith FM exist? Why does Christianity exist? Christianity is gone if you do away with the law of God. Mm. It ceases to exist. It is Mm. that simple. And this is why when it comes to the judgment, it focuses in on the Ark of the Covenant. Now this becomes an issue because this is the standard by which each person will be judged. Mm. Plain and simple. Fully. And of course, um, all have sinned and broken. Yeah. Uh, and come short of the glory of God and broken the law of God all are condemned to death because the wages of sin is death and so therefore we all are in a situation where um, we need the grace of God Mm. and when in the judgment you know when God looks at our names and he is demonstrating to the universe you know his justice and he says okay this person right here they're covered by my blood Mm. here's the record of their life there is nothing bad here there are no sins here Mm. It's been covered by my blood. Wow. That's you know, powerful. So good. Opens another person's book and it's like, well, this person is not covered by my blood and mm. here is the here is what their life actually is like. And I think that, that yeah, that's that's what accepting Jesus actually is. Yeah, it's, why it's would anybody like, why would you hold back from accepting Jesus? Why? Please explain why. Why would anyone do that? It's it's just it's just gnarly. And I think people hold back because they nearly don't have like the right idea of what it actually is. Mm-hmm. Like people are like, okay, I accept Jesus. Then I have to be like this Christian person who goes to church and sings songs. And but like, it's got nothing and to do so with- And what's so wrong with going to church? Oh, I love it's, going oh, to church. Yeah, it's the highlight of my week. Don't get me wrong. I love going to church. I love it. But accepting Jesus into your life is, is more than, you know, being part of one tradition or another. It's like, in, in, in transactional terms, it's like, I'm a sinner. I've fallen short. Like of this law of God, which we are judged by, which is good and perfect and holy because it's love. I've ultimately, there's been points in my life where I haven't loved people. And and that like brings me to the point where I can be contemned, condemned to death. And then it's like, but Jesus covers it. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus says, oh, well, you know, where, where you've made a mistake. Well, that's, I'm going to put, you know, I made the sacrifice. You know, it's, it's amazing in, um, in Genesis, where it's you know God provides the sacrifice, yeah. it's it's so good. So, yeah, what what oh man, what do you have to be afraid of? This is the best thing ever. This is Audrey Astard with you speak. You
That was Audrey Sad with You Speak. You listen to Faith FM. And it's time for another clue for our quiz. Lawson, yes. what have you got for us? Lyle, are you ready? There's still double prizes up for grabs, so get the phone ready. one 800 But Lyle, I think you might get it now. Okay. You ready? I, I'm very unsure. Okay. I'm also known as Levi the Tax Collector. Moving right along. Are you for real? Okay, if you know who right this along. is, give us a call. 1-800-324-843. Double prizes are still up for grabs in some miraculous way. All right. <laughs> Moving right along. Okay, we are... Uh, we are <laughs> maybe I'm just having some... Maybe I'm getting something wrong here this morning. I'm having a complete blank. I don't know what. But Man, anyway. you are struggling. Yeah, it's not coming this morning. It's just... Uh, anyway. Going back to Revelation chapter 11, we find that um, we are dealing with the subject of the judgment and, of course, the law in the judgment. But there are a couple of other key thoughts that come out here in chapter 11 because chapter 11, the seventh trumpet, takes you from the judgment, takes you through the period of the judgment. Obviously, that's that's the main event that is taking place here, the time of the dead that they should be judged. But it talks about other events that are going to coincide with that and particularly focuses on the return of Jesus Christ at the mm. very end of time. And so I want you to notice, the, as, as, as one example, the very last line of verse 19. What's the very last line of verse 19 say? The Bible says, Lightning flash, thunders crash, roared, and there was an earthquake and terrible hailstorm. Okay, so if we go over to the seven last plagues, which mm-hmm. take place just before they are, they are actually the lead up to the return of Christ. Um, so we go over to Revelation chapter 16, and if you could read for us verse 18, yeah. 20 and 21, please. The Bible says in verse 18, um, Then the thunder crashed and rolled and the lightning flashed and an and an and a great earthquake struck, the worst since people were placed on the earth. Then verses 20 and 21, the Bible says, And every island disappeared and all the mountains were leveled. There was a terrible hailstorm, and hailstones weighing as much as 75 pounds fell from the sky onto the people below. They cursed God because of the terrible plague of the hailstorm. Okay, so here you've got the great earthquake and the terrible hailstorm. Mm-hmm. being mentioned, um, an earthquake so big that every island flew away, the mountains were not found. Another place that you'll find similar language, of course, is in the, this is parallel with the um, seven seals. And so in Revelation chapter 6, the Bible says, you know, the heavens departed as a scroll when it is rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. So all of this language here is indicating, yes, this is the return of Christ. This mm-hmm. is the very end. Uh, because, you know, when you have this earthquake take place, the next thing that happens is that, you know, you've got uh, all of the people of the earth who are not saved calling on the rocks and the mountains to hide on to fall on them and hide them from the face of him that sits on the throne. So when this is happening, Jesus is coming back. Mm. Now, the Bible actually mentions here a couple of other uh, issues that precede this that are also um, key issues and important as well. So let's go back over to chapter 11 and let's consider those. Once you notice right here that the Bible says in verse 18 when it's talking about the judgment, so in context of the judgment, it says the nations were angry. That's mm. the first line. And then the last line is that those who destroy the earth would be destroyed. Yes. Okay, so in your first line, you've got a contrast that we're going to look at, but in the last line, you have a prophecy that was impossible to be fulfilled before our day. Yeah, fully. 
Uh, because if you go back 100 years from now, even if you go back 70 years from, 60 years from now, it was impossible for human beings to destroy this planet. Yeah. Is it possible now? Yeah, fully. Absolutely. And it's interesting when you study the history of, of uh, you know, how people have studied this verse. You know, you go back to the 1960s and so forth, the Cold War era. And the big issue then, of course, was that we now have the capability to destroy the planet through nuclear war. Mm. A capability that had never, ever, ever existed before. We come down to our era now in 2019, and nuclear war is not as relevant as it once was because we are destroying our planet without nuclear war. Yeah. Quite effectively. Mm. Um, we don't need nuclear war to destroy our planet because we are actually doing it just with, you know, the way we are, uh, yeah. you know, just with the industrialization of the planet. Yeah, fully. Um, Climate change, pollution, Lyle the Greenie from Tasmania. <laughs> I did not say those words, but definitely our world is, 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 is vastly polluted. Yeah, fully. And our world is suffering tremendously from pollution. Nobody's going to argue with you on that. Mm. Um, these are major issues that our world needs to be facing and needs to be dealing with um, in, in a very, you know, a really, really important way. Okay, so... Um, this is uh, an important uh, a key part of this prophecy. Now I want to go back to the beginning of that verse where it says the nations were angry. Mm. And I want to ask you this question. Okay, we can see ourselves destroying our world right now, but are the nations angry? Is there anger in our world? Yeah. In fact, our world is a much angrier place than it was 10 years ago. Mm. Actually... I actually did a report on this recently. Is that so? I, I well, I, I preached a sermon and I did some 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 research into the nations being angry. Well, not the nations being angry, but I, I did some research into the second coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the telltale signs of the second coming, according to Matthew twenty four, is wars and rumors of wars. So this <laughs> big strife between between nations and. Um, you know, we can talk about in, you know, the last century, all the, the wars and crazy things that happened back then. But a lot of people would argue, oh, no, it's a peace, you know, at the moment where we're, we're doing good. But according to um, something called the Global Peace Index or the GPI, um, which is a, an annual study that goes through the peacefulness of each nation, whether it's um, peacefulness is increasing or deteriorating um, over the last 11 years has been a constant deterioration in peace in every single part of the world. Um, the most notable ones being that the four biggest decreases in peace came from the four most wealthy and peaceful countries, mm-hmm. which is wild. So North America, Europe, um, Australia as, you know, as a yeah. continent and South America were all deemed to have decreased in peacefulness over the last 11, 11 years. And just the world as a whole has been just steadily decreasing with a, you know, a J curve mm-hmm. of decreasing in peacefulness. So, yes. So, here's something that's interesting. And one of the things that's driving, because our world is a very angry place now. Ah. And one of the major drivers of anger is social media. Mm, fully. Um, information technology has given you know, everybody who has an axe to grind a platform on which they can do that. And so, yeah, and of course, information technology has created you know, social media, which is extremely addictive. We've been talking mm. about that with David Stojic this morning. And so you've got people who are addicted to social media and are being bombarded with anger. Mm. You look at the posts 
that are on your social media. Oh, fully. And just do a quick rundown of how many of those posts that are coming through and that are speaking into your brain today are dealing with anger. Mm. This is not something we had, you know, even 10 years ago. Mm. Just 10 years ago. And when you look at the uh, tension that there exists, um, you know, between races, between, you know, gender ideology, it doesn't matter which direction you go, the increase of anger is there. It is being driven by social media. Mm. So here's my challenge to all of you today. Have a look through your, your social media feed and just mark down what percentage of the posts that are coming across your page every day are angry posts? Mm. And you are going to find a ridiculously high percentage that just simply never existed. And so this is being bombarded into your brain. And, of course, it's a sign that Jesus is coming soon because the Bible says at the end of time there will be anger amongst the nations and everyone's talking about peace. This is...
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. everybody you were just listening to for king and country oh god forgive us and it's time for question of the day and while the two songs have been playing lawson has just made a quick um review of his social media oh, yeah. to find out how much is angry and how much is positive yeah i did and, and what did and, you come and, up with okay, so, so it's about yeah i'd say that so 
a little little over 50-50 for the good side. And i got to say, because my Facebook is also filled with funny memes. Yes, it and is. So, but check it out. So, the bad side, um, there was 30 posts in the bad side and 34 posts in the good side. So, 30, 30 posts in the angry side and, 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 and 34 posts and, in the and, non-aggressive and yours, side. And yours is a, yours is a non-aggressive uh, feed because you've got so many, as I say, so many funny, funny memes. <laughs> A uh, <coughs> a memeologist. Wow! Never call me that again. But anyways, um, a All question right, of the day. A yes. question of the day is: Okay, you ready? Yes, I'm ready. What is the Old and New Testament, and what is the difference between them? Okay, so the Old Testament is all of those books of the Bible written before the time of Christ. And so these books all point forward to Christ. And they can be basically divided up into four groups. You have law, history, poetry, and prophecy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in the law, you have the foundation of Jesus Christ. In history, you have the preparation for Jesus Christ. In poetry, you have the aspiration of Jesus Christ. And in prophecy, the expectation of Jesus Christ. So the Old Testament is all there to point forward to Jesus Christ. Uh The New Testament begins with Jesus. It begins with the birth of Jesus. Mm. And then it goes through to the era immediately after Jesus has ascended back into heaven. And it is also made up of four sections. You have the Gospels, Mm. you have Acts, you have the Epistles, and Revelation. And so in Revelation, sorry, in, in, in the Gospels, you have the manifestation of Jesus Christ. In Acts, you have the proclamation of Jesus Christ. In the Epistles, you have the interpretation of Jesus Christ. And in Revelation, the consummation of Jesus oh, Christ. Man, it sounds like a good song that could be made from that. Yeah, okay, I'll <laughs> let you write that song. But basically what you've got is that you've got Jesus in the center between the two New Testaments and the two Testaments are pointing toward Jesus Christ. Now, some people, there is a movement within Christianity, within some portions of Christianity, to place the Old Testament on a lower level than the New Testament. Hmm. Sometimes you'll find Bibles that are printed that are just the New Testament. You know, that kind of sends a, a message out there that one is more important or less important than the other. But what we do need to remember is that the Bible that Jesus and the apostles used exclusively was the Old Testament. Hmm. That was their Bible. And Jesus had important things to say about that. If we're going to follow the example of Jesus, then we should read the Old Testament. We should know the Old Testament. And we should be able to teach the Old Testament. The Bible says... Uh, when Jesus wanted to explain the gospel message to his disciples after the crucifixion, the first time he's given a gospel presentation that involves the sacrifice, the Bible says a beginning at Moses, that's the very beginning of the Bible, and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so the scriptures here, very simply, um, are, is the Old Testament. That is what Jesus is using. That is what Jesus is quoting from. And we should be able to do the same. In fact, Jesus made a very strong statement in relationship to uh, the Old Testament in the prophecy of the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus where um, Jesus is giving this prophecy and uh, and figuratively you know Abraham says to him says to you know because you, you've got this person who dies um, and they go to Abraham in uh, in paradise somewhere and they want to send somebody back you know to to, to to sorry the person who's gone to hell instead of to Abraham wants to send somebody back to warn them don't don't come down here to hell and Abraham says no they've got Moses and the prophets let them hear them 
And he goes on, no, 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 Father Abraham, if, if someone went from the dead, they would repent. And he said unto them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, mm. even though somebody is raised from the dead. And then Jesus raises somebody from the dead by the name of Lazarus, who's been dead for four days, to prove his point, and they still don't believe. And then, of course, Jesus is also raised from the dead, and they still do not believe. And so this is something that is of... Uh, yeah, just incredible importance. Jesus is saying, look, if you don't believe Moses and the prophets, you will not believe in Jesus Christ. Both Testaments are as important as each other. Anyway, this is Chris Rice. Great is thy faithfulness.
That was Chris Rice with Great Is Thy Faithfulness here on Faith FM, and we have come to the end of the show. Yes. We are about to give something away, yes. which is relevant, very, very relevant to the uh, question of the day, which is about what is the difference between the Old and the New Testament mm. that we have spent a bit of time talking about. If you would like to know more about the Bible and more about God's Holy Word. What is it that we're giving away here, Lord? We're giving away a book called God's Holy Word. Is it still worth dying for? I think it's good to mention, like, to bring this up. Like, you know, we we're talking about the difference between the Old and New Testament, and then to take the step to is it worth dying for? I think some people would go like, oh, that's a bit, it's a bit, no, it's a bit crazy. But to think of how we actually have the Bible today in the form that, you know, that, that it's readily accessible to us and it's, you know, we have an Old and New Testament that is translated directly from the original Greek and the original Hebrew. Like, the amount of, you know, death and, and, and mm. just struggle you know, that it took to bring is one us. of those words that's become very unpopular during the War on Terror. Mm. Because what you find is that during the War on Terror, martyrs have been become have become martyrs to kill other people, mm. whereas Christian martyrs in the past have been martyrs to save other people. Yeah, big contrast, big difference between the two. Both of them classed as martyrs within a religious context, but for very very different reasons. One to kill, one to save. Mm. Yes, yeah, anyway, that's, that's the that's the the, the book here is uh, is is it still worth dying for? Because yeah. in the past, you know, that's the that's the history of God's word is that so many people have lost their lives just because they. Owned a portion of a copy, just a page mm. would get you condemned to death back in the day. Wow. Yeah, wild stuff. It is. And of course, if you'd like to know more about the Bible, give us a call right now, 1-800-324-843. Be the first caller through or text us on 0491-064-669. Be the first person and this book is yours for free. And if you'd like to study the Bible in other formats, don't forget that we can make that happen. Small groups, one-on-one, however you would like to study it, we'd like to share it with you. 